Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So we got more coronavirus news. As leagues get ready to return, baseball players don't want any kind of negotiated deal with the owners because apparently they want to file a grievance. I know you can feel the eyes just rolling back into the head at the thought of it. So there's going to be a 60-game baseball season. The commissioner is going to impose it. It'll end in late September, and then we'll have a 10-team playoff. So... Baseball on the way, assuming they don't have a lot of tests, a lot of positive tests, and have teams shut down. Uh, not that a lot of you uh, follow uh, women's professional soccer, but the Orlando team is not coming to Utah for the uh, National Women's Soccer League tournament, so there'll be eight teams instead of nine. They had ten positive tests, staffers and players combined. So they're shutting it down. And college football is being affected. Um, how would you like a trip to Hawaii or San Diego? especially if you live in the Northeast. Fordham's supposed to go to Hawaii, Georgetown to San Diego. They're both in the Patriot League, and the Patriot League is uh, no airplane. They're going to have no airplane travel. They might have no overnights, even in hotels. It looks like football is going to be non-league games only. So uh, there are changes everywhere. Everybody's trying to adapt. The Florida numbers are big uh, as far as coronavirus positives. They seem to be growing. So what is the NBA going to do? Toronto... Excuse me. Toronto's already gotten to the bubble. They're down there and uh, flew in first and are going to train there and get ready. Most of the teams in the United States, obviously, are going to be training at home and then flying in July 7th. But the Raptors have already headed in there. So is this going to work? You know, I think so. It's not very definitive, I know. You probably want something better than that, but I've never lived through a pandemic before, and I didn't study, uh, I wasn't pre-med in college, so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I think so, but you know we'll have to see. Will the baseball plan work? Will the basketball plan work? Um, is college football really going to happen? I wonder about the possibility of sliding conference championship games back a week or two to give teams a chance to make up because I you know it, it doesn't seem out of the realm to see you know some team have 30 positive tests and and you know 50 positive tests so they're gonna have to uh, forfeit a game I don't think anybody wants that can you just play it at the end of the season reschedule stuff there move some of the commerce title games back I assume the college athletic directors are working on all options and probably don't have a solid answer to that right now. All right, stuff to keep our eyes on. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, stay with us. Uh, Coming up, uh, Steve Cleveland at about uh, 6.35. Our basketball insider has got... uh, Some good stuff to say on changing times and uh, coaches getting really tested. Uh, We'll hear from Steve coming up in about half an hour. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, the Zone. So, 7.50 every morning, we do a segment what were you watching last night? And it's something we came up with uh, after the NBA shut down because 
Well, we were just watching basketball nonstop, right? And before that, we were watching football nonstop. That's what we do. We watch games, and we come in and tell you about them the next day. Now, suddenly, there are no games, so what's on? And there have been some interesting things out there. So we talk about that every day, and, uh, you know, some days are more interesting than others. Joe Ingles works out at 8 a.m., so... He's driving in and hears it and he posts on Twitter, wow, first time listening to the show today with uh, PK, with DJ and PK, and I really make that show. Now that gets a ton of response on social media. So uh, PK and I uh, get into that uh, and start reading some of this stuff, and so we thought we'd play that segment for you. Um, it, it was pretty funny. Joe's pretty funny. And he knows full well when he does that on a Monday what's coming on Thursday. And it's only Tuesday. I already can't wait for Thursday. Uh, but it did get us discussing later in the show. We didn't do it in this segment here that we're about to play for you. But we did get discussing an old David Locke thing. When David was a program director, before he did uh, before he did play-by-play for the Jazz, and actually before he went to Seattle for a few years and did Sonic stuff, uh, when there were the Seattle Sonics, uh, and he did WNBA stuff up there, too. He was a program director in the mid to late 90s at, um, at the old Cave Fan 1320, which I think is now nonstop. <laughs> Real estate deal. They sold the land the transmitter sat on, sat on so the station doesn't exist anymore. Um, and he used to have this saying, and he used to drill this into us all the time. Any fool can do a sports talk show once a week. The game's that good. The story's that big. Anybody can do it. And once a week, you're going to have a show that isn't great. The other three times, that's where it either makes you or breaks you. And you either end up having a career or you don't. And so it's always been drilled in my head. Now, when PK brought it up, he goes, yeah, but those weren't pandemic rules. (laughs) It's been a little dicey the last uh, three, going on three and a half months actually now, uh, you know, without games. Unusual times. But there's still been stories. There's still been topics. Uh, We still had an NFL draft, so that was normal, and the PGA Tours restarted. And there's certainly been a lot of issues. And we've had social issues. We've had health issues. Uh, We usually do a spring football tour anyway, so we've been doing that. So there's been stuff to keep it going, but it's it's been different, that's for sure. But anyways, so Joe Ingles, you know, Joe could do sports talk radio if he wanted. It'd be a little tricky in the U.S. because he doesn't follow football, you know, but, but he can talk. He can talk all day long. He doesn't follow football and baseball, but he can talk all day long. And one thing that a lot of talk radio people, not even sports talk, but news talk radio too, you know, kernel of truth, and then hang on to it, baby. <laughs> And you can get a heck of a heck of a debate going. And uh, Joe probably knew that when he tweeted out what he tweeted. Here's PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ PK brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. PK. What? How could he? Because he's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Ingalls just tweeting out. First time listening to that. David DJ James and that PK Kinahan without myself on the show. Man, I really make them who they are. <laughs> I got a trivia question for you. Uh-huh. Who's the most overrated left-handed shooter from Australia? I'm trying to think of another left-handed shooter from Australia. I'll just go with Joe Ingles. Yes. Gosh, I can't believe the Jazz haven't cut him by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, never do what the Clippers do. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I mean, I get it. They brought him on to be a big brother for Dante uh, Exum. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, Exum is gone now, Mm -hmm. so I think it's high time to send Joe back down under. (laughs) He would willingly go. If you could keep the checks coming. No, no, (laughs) heck no. No, 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 no. Not at all. You know, Joe, he's such a backstabber. (laughs) (laughs) I sent the gif of David Stern drinking water on TV and gagging and choking. So he can enjoy that. I sent the gif of me punching him in the head. (laughs) Braden sent a gif. Here I go, carrying the team again. And there's some six-foot dude out in the forest, and he's got another six-foot guy at his back, and he's carrying him. Eric says, that's the truth. Oh, come on, Eric. It's hurting our feelings. And Joe, you, Joe, you, Joe. You'd scoot and boogie. I'll agree to that. I made Joe Ingles. I, <laughs> I identified him out of the crowd, and I made Joe Ingles. You are the Walt Perrin of radio. <laughs> I'm the talent evaluator, and I plucked him out of obscurity and look where he is now. I gave him the confidence to think, yeah, I can do this. And that's what—that's how he repays. That's so typical of the young, younger generation. Ingratitude. <laughs> the younger generation. <laughs> A foreign guy in my land, no less. <laughs> I should tell. I think I told him the story. There was... Uh, one time, it was a Friday night, true story, mm-hmm. uh, I left my family, we were going to go, we are going to, uh, and I have a very small family, so we were going to go to a jazz game on a Friday night, not as a media guy, but just as, a, a, as fans for something to do, right? And so I left my kid, my wife and a couple kids at... Maxwell's downtown, right? We liked their pizza. They got some Italian food, and and so it was a Friday night. So I left them there, and what I did was I parked at the parking lot that we normally park in, right? So it was before the game, and so then I was uh, going to take the tracks over to the restaurant, and then when we were done, we'd take the tracks back. So I'd already have the parking taken care of, right? And I didn't wouldn't have to worry about trying to park downtown. Well, it was a it was a nice evening. It was early in the season, so I decided I'm just going to walk, you know, and maybe do a little jog. And so I get down. What's that? Is that on Main Street, Maxwell's? We've, yeah, we've it's, done it's shows just like there. a like a block yeah, down, south still down of, from Channel Two. Yeah, it's a block south. Yeah, and so I'm getting real close to it, and somebody, uh, the couple, a couple of people. They stopped me, and they asked me uh, where the arena was. Well, it was clear that they had an accent, and so I asked them. I said, where are you from? And they said, Australia. I said, oh, yeah? I said, yeah, I know Joe Ingles. And they sort of looked at me, like, on the intro. Who? What? Well, (laughs) true story. True story. The reason why they were going was to see Dante Axum. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Joe hadn't blown up yet. He was still the uh, the, oh, the, I, the fourth wing. I don't the 
remember. I, it, it was probably, yeah, it, it must have been to where he wasn't the full-fledged guy that he has been, what, the last two, three seasons. So it must have been early on. But they had no idea who Joe was. But they knew who Exum was. And they wanted to see, and they were going to the game. They had tickets to the game, and but they weren't sure where the arena was. They were downtown, and they knew, obviously, it was in the general area. And they asked me because we were at the stoplight. And I just thought it was funny that uh, they didn't know Joe, but they knew Dante. Now, you'd have to agree, as an NBA player, so far anyway, Joe is more accomplished than Dante Exum. Dante Exum has had one injury after another and hasn't been able to get on the floor uh, consistently. So, you know, Joe thinking he's all that, well, you know, maybe he isn't all that to some people. Who knows, huh? Yeah, that was then. This is now. Now he's all that. <laughs> we'll yeah. have to ask him. We'll have to ask him when we get him on, unless he calls in now because he's really bored. Uh, we'll have to ask him when we get him on how long he's been playing for the Australian national team because that's the thing is that I'm pretty sure he's been doing that for a while now. So I would. Yeah, think he ain't no a- Patty Mills here, but. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're just he ain't no Aaron Baines. Now you're just trying to provoke him into calling. <laughs> he ain't no Patty Mills. I mean, he's a nice player on their team, but let's keep Joe, perspective. I can totally picture Joe in his car now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give in to these guys. I'm not going to call. But Patty Mills, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that made him wince. He thought about well, it. He looked at his phone. Should I? Should I? <laughs> he's probably in the practice facility by now. I think he was. He's been getting in at eight o'clock. Could be. Uh, uh, he's been doing uh, the seven thirty hour now for probably close to a month. Uh, as far as uh, him getting over there, we know he's an early morning dude anyway. Well, they so, they're still not doing they're still not doing things in groups. So. They got to space him out. He said there's like four guys on the courts and they're all, if, you, if you've been in a place, I mean, you can be on a court and be a long way away from a guy. It's a big place. Um, but that means, you know, if you're in there for an hour, then it's another hour before somebody else. And I think he just takes one of the earlier times because he's, he's one of the early risers. Yes, he, we, we know that. He prefers to get up early and get in there and get whatever workouts they got going on. So, I mean, he's, he's all right, but... Uh, He's no Andrew Bogut. Just, <laughs> he's no Jock Lawndale. He's, I mean, he's no Matthew Delavadova. Keep him coming. And, I was going to say, how many Australians well, can you name? Delhi coming into the conversation here. <laughs> I, now I'm starting to, to run the gamut. Because has Ben Simmons played for them? Yes, he has. He has? Mm-hmm. Okay. These are all NBA players that I'm listing from Australia that are active. I mean, I can go back. Andrew Gaze. Luke Longley. Luke Longley for sure, yeah. And Andrew Gaze, wasn't he like the... I think he was the the first first one. I think he was the trailblazer. He went to uh, Seton Hall when they had their uh, run to the Final Four to the title game. Yes. I don't think he ever played in the NBA, though. But I remember the name because it was unusual at the time. Now it's unusual if St. Mary's is not starting three or four Australians. I mean, it's pretty well common that these guys have come over and played. And that, that's the thing about it, too. That, and I like to see that. It's not, not necessarily in the college ranks, but in the professional ranks. 
you know, it's not unusual to have foreign guys from whatever whatever area of the world it might be. Nobody really bats an eyelash now, and no one bats an eyelash when they're really good. They're not uh, one-trick ponies anymore. They're legitimate. In some cases, they can be stars. Not a lot of foreign guys are stars, but some of them are. I think the biggest foreign star of the NBA of all time is Nowitzki. And I put him ahead of Lajuan because Lajuan came over and played college ball in the U.S. And I think that makes a difference. I think you get the assimilation to the American game uh, if you're going to be playing college ball. And you're going to be playing on a team the caliber of Houston that Dave Rose was on that team and Clyde Drexler. And, and, you know, they had a really good team, obviously, going to multiple Final Fours. But to think... I thought, thought about this. This is really fascinating to me how we can take these these athletes from wherever in the world and they come over to the U.S. and like Davitsky, he's Mr. Dallas Maverick, is he not? Yes, he, absolutely. And he, he probably will be for a long, long time well, to expect anybody to go in there and have that and win a title and play there for 20 years and be that good. Well, they got Doncic, so we'll see. Uh, if they didn't have Doncic, you're right. I would think for the rest of my life, and the rest of your life, I mean, we're roughly the same age, you know, for the rest yeah. of our lives, Nowitzki will be Mr. Maverick. But looking at Doncic, Doncic maybe could replace him. Now, to your point, you know, maybe, is he going to win maybe. multiple titles? Is he going to play there his whole career? You know, yeah, is he going to stay healthy? We don't even know that, you know, so. Hey, he's a nice person to put on that uh possibility list but i wouldn't even put porzingis on the possibility list i would not either no yeah if they're going to win a title with those two donches is going to be leading the way yep and and the thing about donches too like dirk i don't really know about porzingis that much but donches has a personality and he likes to be interviewed and he shows his personality and he and he's uh, he's at least trilingual he speaks spanish and, and in this country, you know, speaking Spanish, you can get uh, you can appeal to people, especially down in Texas, yeah. obviously. And so you've got that going on. So, yeah, that's a good possibility that maybe they could have that to well, we'll see how it plays out. But you take a guy like David Ortiz and what he means to Boston and what Pedro Martinez meant. I mean, does that happen anywhere in any professional league anywhere? And I, I guess it's in, they say uh, Pace could probably answer this. And D'Antoni was a little bit of a hero in Italy, but he was of t- Italian descent too. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So he he's of Italian descent. He goes over there and he plays, but he had the ethnicity to begin with. I mean, obviously, when we think of Boston, Irish Catholic is a big deal. Well, Ortiz and Pedro Martinez aren't that, but yet they can they can be accepted as being the stars. And for a while there, when you thought of the Boston Red Sox, you thought of Ortiz first, didn't you? I did. He was the guy. And when they had the, he was when the, they had the, the yeah. issue with the bombing of the uh, marathon, yeah. he was the one who spoke. <laughs> yeah, blurted out a profanity. Had right, everybody goes nuts. we going nuts. Right. So he was, he was the spokesman of the Red Sox. That's crazy. And then he was shot, and they brought him back. To, to rehab and all that stuff and still wildly popular. And look at what Joe's done here. 
a little bit, a little difference in that he's speaking the same language uh, to a degree. Oh, I think that's, would, I think that's really critical because I think that uh, humor in a second language is really hard to do, and obviously Joe does it. And Australian English, I mean, there's words and phrases that are different, but you're ninety percent of the way there. You know, there are definitely words, phrases, and expressions that are different, but that's that's a big leg up. That's not speaking. You know, I mean, Rudy Gobert speaking French to English, that's a much bigger jump than Joe Ingles. Yeah. And I think that when you get one of these folks that they have to be good. You know, if Joe was the third guy off the bench, it wouldn't have wouldn't have played out. And to bring it back to the Mitchell thing, you know, that's where I think that the fans, they want identifiable I, I hesitate the word hero uh, to, to use a, a someone star? in athletics as, as a hero but just someone who's identifiable to what you're about and if you get one of those guys uh, it is something that you you really treasure and it works and Joe even though he's not a superstar he is still he's so identifiable and synonymous to what the jazz are about. It really is, it's a phenomenon how you could take someone who lives on the other side of the world, bring him here, and he's like, he's becoming a form of a Mr. Utah. And it really is amazing to me how these connections get started. It's particularly amazing to me if they're not an American, and we've seen that now, but most of them are, obviously, but they have such deep connection with folks and what they have to them. Joe resonates with so many people in this city and in this state. And it it goes beyond to where could the jazz, could they actually trade Joe Ingles? Do you think? I mean, they could, but what a blow it would be for what they're about. Yeah. They would have to get somebody back that would thrill the fan base. You know, and it doesn't, I mean, it's completely off. Until you said that, it was completely off my radar. I haven't thought about it. I haven't talked to anybody about it. Uh, no one has ever brought it up with me. So the answer to that is no. I mean, obviously, yes, they could. The rules allow it. But it's just, it's not going to happen. But I think it goes back to, and this is, this is the advantage that you have. Even if you come from a foreign country, even if you speak a different language, you know, if you're Rudy Gobert, I mean, early on now, his English is just, you know, it's flawless now. It's, it's not, a, I don't even think well, his it. English is better than Joe Ingles English. But, but in the early, in the early days, I remember talking to a PR guy, can we interview Gobert? How's the English? And he's like, well, you can try. It's, it's okay. You know, um, you know, he understood you and he could get the answer to you. But now what he can answer in 10 seconds used to take him like 25 or 30 as he reached for words. So it wasn't that great for TV. You know, it just it moved too slowly and it was pretty limited. Um, but I think the thing all those guys have, regardless of what their language skills are when they come here, is that the jazz have such a deep hold on the community that people want to bond with anybody, no matter where they come from. Uh, Kirilenko came from Russia. People wanted to bond with him. Uh, a second-round draft pick. People want to bond with him. All right, there's Joe Ingles. 
doing a segment for us, even when he's not doing a segment for us. And he'll be on Thursday morning, and I'm certain this will come up. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. That was kind of lighthearted and screwing around, and goodness knows we need some of that. There's plenty of stress and anxiety in the world. And anxiety became a key word that uh, we spoke about with Steve Cleveland. And uh, I've still got a daughter who's in high school, and... You know, and she tells me stories about friends and what's going on in the friend group and what they think and all that. And man, there's a lot of anxiety out there. And it's all different depending on the friend. It's not one thing. What the, con- the, the thing that they all have in common is anxiety. But for every kid, it's a different issue. And, you know, I, I've met some of her friends. I don't know them all. But uh, you wouldn't, I just I wouldn't have guessed you know, all the stories. And I probably don't even know their stories in depth. I probably just know a little bit. Um, but we talk anxiety with Steve Cleveland next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Time to talk basketball with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, Steve, we've got uh, two stories coming together right now. And I'm just thinking, man, if you are a coach and you had to deal with these two things, (laughs) it's so... What percentage of the job is about X's and O's? And what percentage of the job is psychology and dealing with other people from administrators to assistant coaches to high school coaches to players? You know, excuse me, I think that once you have established a system and how you're going to either prepare for a game, how you're going to prepare for practice, the things you're going to do physically, the system you're going to run offensively and defensively, most of that is done in the offseason and you come prepared to camp ready to, you know, to put in that system and then develop a culture around it that's going to be successful. However, you know, think a few things happen. Got a little something in my throat here. A few things, <clears throat> excuse me, are happening there. Number one, uh, the performance by players uh, is either where you like it or you don't like it. And so you're doing things daily to help them get better through skill development or things team-oriented. But when when things get together and you're moving forward and you're preparing to play games, the most important thing is the relationship with your guys and their understanding of who they are and what their role is. And I think the the toughest thing about coaching is the ever-changing roles of players and how you manage that. You know, that, that management of the role of a player and how they'll be used and what they're doing can change. It can change from week to week sometimes, depending on their performance. Or uh, the surprises that come to a coach when a, maybe a younger player or a transfer comes in when you didn't think they could make the kind of contribution that they could make. Now you're having to manage those things. So honestly, uh, the fun part, the, the, the really fun part is preparing a plan and plugging in your guys and watching them execute it. 
but down the road for the team to reach its full potential, they have to stay bought into that. And that, that can be challenging because things are ever-changing with injuries, people not performing well, maybe some team issues, culture issues where guys aren't getting along. So I think if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we're spending more time on the intangibles as assistants and especially and as head coaches than we are the actual game preparation because we know that's a given. There's a time for it. It's a place for it. We know what we're going to do. The intangibles become the difference between being a good team and a great team. So the two stories I'm referencing here, one, the NBA with the draft moved to October 16, has set the date to withdraw as October 6. So there could be some coaches who won't really know who's on their roster until the morning of October 7th. That's a problem. And then players on social media, and obviously there's a lot of social issues, there's a lot of racial issues out there. Donovan Mitchell uh, looks like he's upset. Now we're not talking to him, so we're trying to go off of uh, you know the tone of, a, of posts on social media, but it looks like he's upset. And to have players on social media, to have players who can jump in the transfer portal at any time, to be looking at uh, October 7th, you find out one of your star players is leaving for the draft or has decided not to leave and is staying. It, it seems like coaching is less about X's and O's than ever before. Oh yeah. No, no question. And I think the uniqueness of this time and the circumstances, the environment and circumstances are usually pretty predictable year in and year out. You kind of know the time of the year you're staying in touch. And there's always uh, evidence during the course of a year, especially with elite players, whether they're going out or not, I mean, you will be very foolish not to talk about those things. I mean, you have to talk about those things. There can't, that can't be the big ele- you know, elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. You've got to be talking to the player. You've got to be finding out where their goals are, talking to their parents. Where do you see this? And, and, and give them as much education as you can so it doesn't become personal and confrontational. I can't imagine not really knowing you know, who's there because the other thing that's very difficult is they're not out recruiting. I mean, they can't be out and... They may make, make some adjustments here in the, in the next few weeks or something, but to not be able to recruit uh, and really have an idea who's out there who may be able to replace. Now, there is the transfer portal. Everybody's been active in that, and they've used that as a resource for filling in for guys that might go you know, into the league or at least think they're going to go there in the last minute if you know, they choose not to. So the, that environment and circumstance for college basketball is really, really hard on coaches. And, uh, and I suspect even the players not knowing exactly who's coming back. But if I'm in that situation and I know I've got a special player or two, you know, I'm having my guys. I'm having the players. We're doing everything we can to get them to stay here and be part of something special and take another year. Let's get to the tournament. And you know what? Young people can be really influential, and even more so than coaches and even more so than parents or an AAU coach. They have good friendships and have good relationships. Uh, man, I'm pushing all those buttons right now. It looks like I'm going to be losing people that six months ago, you know, I thought they were going to be with us. So that's not great timing for college. I'm sure the NBA would have much rather have it be differently as well. But uh, I think, to be honest with you, that because of a lot of the unknown that guys are maybe going to be more likely just to say, you know what, I'm going to wait until things get more normal. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to go on. Now, I, I can play another year of college. I can have a good year. There'll be a draft next year, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, in the summer like we normally have it. 
um, I, I think it, it lends itself to maybe as a college coach uh, putting you in a position where you might get, get a guy to stay because of all of the surrounding issues and challenges going on in our world. So we definitely know that this year and the upcoming draft in the fall is all, all unusual. But, you know, at some point we hope that it will get back to normal, as you say. I look at the situation of what's going on in college athletics, and they're trying to make rules now to benefit the players and the athletes more, and I'm all for that. As I look at basketball, putting your name in and then, you know, you don't get drafted or you do get drafted, whatever, I'm wondering if we could do a thing like baseball in terms of you don't really have to put your name out there. They take you or they don't take you, and then you don't have to make a decision, I'm going to declare, and then you can decide. You sign If you're an incoming freshman, you sign a letter of intent in November, and the draft is in June. And then you can evaluate, do I want to go to school, whatever, or do I want to go sign with the team that's drafted me? And then I get to decide. Where in uh, basketball, they don't have that decision to be able to make. I would like to see them go forward, even if it means some roster fluctuation and some doubt, giving the player the freedom and his family to decide what to do once they have all the information, as opposed to, I've got to put my name out there, and I stay in a draft, and I don't get draft or I don't like where I'm going, but I've lost my college eligibility. As a coach, you think there's a way to smooth that over like they do with the college baseball situation? I, I, I like that thought um, for a couple of reasons. One is that it, it, it takes a lot of the elements out of it. I mean, it's kind of like you got so many individuals and entities influencing young people in college basketball. Okay, from their aunt and uncle to a high school coach to an AAU coach to an agent that's a friend of an agent. I mean, it, it is the waters are muddy, and you hear all these voices, okay, and trying to make decisions, which is a distraction, uh, which can impact how they play and perform and their confidence level. I I completely agree with you that take it all out of their hands. Take it all out of their hands. Everything's clear and transparent. This is what it is. And uh, if David James is, uh, you know, the six-two point guard that we want, then we're, we're going to let him know that he's he's one of those people, and and we're, we're going to move forward. Uh, I think the the cleaner and the more transparent and open you can be, the less misunderstanding that takes place. And when misunderstanding takes place and people don't know where they fit and what they're going and whose agenda is this and whose agenda is that, you, you just you create a really toxic environment. And, and what happens is people's feelings get hurt. <clears throat> and a parent is upset with the coach or uh, a teammate is upset with a guy who seems to be more interested in the next level than maybe helping this team win 25 games to get into the tournament. All of that kind of innate selfishness is really destructive to to a team, and and, and you know more than just the culture of the team, but destructive in all ways. And so you want to you just want to push away all of that and let those that are in charge take care of that and free the minds up of these guys and these parents and let them be more realistic in what's going to take place. I, I agree with you, Pat. I I just think that it makes it a better workplace. It makes the environment better. The experience is better. And there's not all of this stress. I mean, you know, I'm around young people a lot, and it, it is incredible. And I don't think it matters where you live. 
but this is a generation of young people who have a lot of anxiety and that are struggling with things and on their self-worth. And, and it's, it's not just in, you know, it's not uh, a Hispanic thing, an African-American thing, a white thing, an Asian thing. I mean, it's all peoples. I can't speak for people outside of our country, but I've been around young people enough that I've never seen uh, young people so kind of misunderstood and trying to figure themselves out and trying to figure out where they fit. And it does cause anxiety and there's an uneasiness. And you can't perform well when you have all that going on and you have all those noises from the outside. And so, yeah, you know what? Uh, I like that idea, Pat, but the second thing is that coaching staff, that support staff, the all the people that work in that program, the 30 or 40 men and women that work in a, in a collegiate basketball, they all got to be on the same page. You know, the, the, what I've seen as I've gone around and watched programs is you got a trainer telling guys something in a training room. You got an assistant coach who recruited a kid. It's his guy. You know that that gets real personal. And that's really, really not good for for a team environment. And you have all of these little mini relationships going on, and they're all destructive. You got to get everybody on the same page, and of course that starts with the head coach. And, and initially, it should start with an athletic director that defines what a culture should look like and how we're going to go about doing this. And then each individual coach does it in his own unique way. But when you don't have that, uh, and you have so many misunderstandings, oh, it, 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 it makes me tired just thinking about it. You know, and and it's not how you want to run a program. So any rule, any system that can simplify things for these young people, I'm all for. I think you hit on a key word there, anxiety. Uh, so I'm, I've still got a teenager. I've got a kid in high school. And, I mean, if I start telling you everything she's told me, she'd <laughs> slash my tires. So, <laughs> so I can't go into it. But that word anxiety, and not just about her, but about uh, what her friends are going through, uh, and I was a, I thought I was aware that there was a lot of anxiety out there. And then she told me stuff. And, man, I just, I mean, I seriously need a couple of days to recalibrate and go, wow, there is way more anxiety than I knew. Can you kind of paint a picture? I mean, where, where does that come from? How deep does it run? How much does it impact athletics? Because it impacts everything. Can you explain that to people who aren't in the middle of it? Because I should be in the middle of it and realized I wasn't on more than one occasion. Well, in one sense, you are in the middle of it because you are very involved in social media and uh, whether it's Instagram, social media, Facebook, and those kinds of things. And the value of a like, the value of, of a recognition. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I get on you know, Instagram with, with my friends and, and the families, you know, I mean, have you ever sat there and just watched, you know, this family who are individual they're you know, they're in Tahiti or someplace, they're having a great time. And, you know, I'm watching all these things and man, I got no life, you know, I got no life. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing all these people having these amazing experiences and how, you know, how much they love this and that and all the recognition. Well, you take a 17 or 18 year old young man or young woman or younger, and, I, and I'm dealing with 18 to 25 year olds. I'm dealing with about 140 of them, and so I'm talking to them all the time. And their self worth oftentimes comes down to a like or a dislike or what they look like. Now, how that evolved, and, and you know, just 
you just got to go back to the computer and, and see how this, this whole thing's evolved. But these kids are on those devices and phones. You know, and I have grandchildren. I talk to my children. And, and, and I, I'm a firm believer that, that you know, the phone goes off at night and at a certain time. With, you know, I'm not talking about 19, 20-year-old kids. I mean, that hopefully can responsibly use those things, though they're probably not. <clears throat> but if I'm raising young children again, you know what, I'm being really, really stingy with that thing and, and that access to that because it is that, that culture of, of where we get our self-worth from is, is not from a phone. It's not from an app, but, but that's what's happening. And personal relationships, conversations, uh, they don't happen. And we, we know that. It, it, it's well documented. People talk about it all the time. You know, family can sit at the dinner table and we're going to go out to dinner and uh, we're at uh, Bahio's having a taco and not one word is said other than the eating and on the phone. And I, you know, I, I, I had that happen in my home and I just I said, no, <laughs> we're done with that. Took the phones down. But that is what does trigger some of that anxiety. It's not the only thing. But, you know, I think there are a lot of things in life where there's expectations. And when expectations aren't met, we feel insecure. And, and you know, I have two or three very, very close friends that are therapists. I constantly seek their counsel on things because I, I don't understand you know, the best way to approach this or that. And, and, and talking to young people, and I think the great communicators are going to you know, the great coaches are going to be great communicators. If you can't communicate at a, at a really high level and your staff can't do that, then you're going to struggle. You're going to have a lot of portal people in and out of that portal. And because you have to see what is real. And we live in a real world right now where there's sudden injustice. There is, it's a real world where there's panic, where there's a pandemic. And all of this lends itself to the unknown. I, I'm, I'm dealing with kids right now that can't even go to school. They're trying, well, what am I going to do? What's going to happen next? You know, we just got to take this day to day. Well, we would be foolish to think that's not happening in college football, or college basketball, or in the NBA. I mean, it, it became, it's pretty obvious from a few of my friends in the league how these young NBA players that that social media platform is is as important as their jumper. Is it important as their contract? I mean, <laughs> it, it's we get caught up in all of this and forget what's really important. We come back to relationships. So yeah, you know what? I I, I know your daughter's struggling with things because you know what? My fifteen-year-old granddaughter who just moved to Utah from from California. I mean, I had to sit down, and, and, and she has loving, great parents. But it was a chance for me to sit down with her and just get her to believe this is going to be okay. You, you, are, you are good, <laughs> you know. But we're, we're doing a lot more of that than we've had to do in the past, and that's because of the environment we've created with uh, all of this technology and social media. Uh, man, parents need to spend more time talking to their kids. I mean, talking to your kids. And we get really busy. We got things we think are more important, but nothing's more important than our kids. And uh, that's, that should be the message to the world. I, I want to share with you, I was, you, you know who uh, Ferry is on the Golf Channel? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, and he, and he does his charity show, and I mean, some people may not know that, but he's on the Golf Channel, and he's always interviewing anyone. He interviews golfers, he interviews celebrities. I watched a interview of uh, Bill Russell. It, it was eight years ago, and uh, they were having a conversation about race and different things, and charity, he's, I think he's from Ireland, you know, and he's, but he's an American citizen now, white guy sitting there, and he goes, he says, you know what? Bill, he says, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a racist. I don't, I, don't, I don't have even thoughts like those kinds of That's not what I'm about. And he says, okay, I know that. And so he turned to him and said, what do I do? And he was feeling really anxious about this and, and not knowing the right thing to do. And Bill Russell turned to him and said, bring your children together and teach them to be kind. And when you teach them to be kind and you show an example of kindness in your home to your wife and to your children, as these children grow up, they will understand what kindness looks like and feels like and should be. That will be the first step to eliminating racism, where we can be kind to everyone. And, you know, I don't even know why I was, why. I was probably just channel flipping, trying to find some sports thing on TV, hoping Golf Channel had something going on. And it was just a two or three minutes. And I thought, what a great message. What a great message that we can do that. And uh, listen, this is Sports Talk Radio, but everybody listening to your show has someone in their family struggling with anxiety or health issues or whatever it might be or just not being good enough and people being bullied and all the things and all the racist things going on. That wears on your soul. And I know when I've had... You know, as a coach, you know, you, you have anxiety. You do have nerves and things, and you have to learn how to control it. But I think you've got to make sure that you're, you're in control of that environment so that you can help young people and, you know, deal with those things and, and, and really, you know, everybody wants a platform. And, 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 and certainly I get all the platforms that are out there. But just being kind to one another pretty much takes care of it all. And we really have a hard time doing that because of jealousy and selfishness and all the things that tear teams apart and tear families apart, lack of trust. So if I'm a coach today, I'm spending a lot of time on the intangibles just because I know if I can succeed there and get them thinking differently and feeling good about themselves, I got a better chance to get the most out of them and help them to reach their full potential. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on with us. You right, guys. Take care. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. What is trending? All the headlines are coming up next. Stay with us.